This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. He was a defensive coordinator for a local high school, and so I grew up as a little kid on the sidelines and at practice, and I just, I love football, but the summer before my senior year, I'd played all those years, after two-a-days, we did about two and a half weeks of two-a-days, and in Texas, where I'm from, Beaumont, down by Houston, it's right there in the edge of the, the Gulf Coast, it, it is hot as hell. Now, hell's a real place, I'm not cussing, it's a real place, but we would practice in the morning and then in the afternoon. I went through two-a-days right before my senior year, and at the end of two-a-days, right before the first full week of practice and first game, I quit. Before my senior year of football, I just, I just had enough. I was tired of it. I didn't enjoy it anymore. Now, now I wish I'd kept playing, and I played on defense because I love to hit people. In fact, i got to be honest, I wish it was still legal. I would hit people. I, I, I miss hitting people. But Here's the thing about that. that. That from time to time around football season haunts me a little bit. And here's the reality. The things you quit and the things I quit in life, sometimes they haunt us. But they will never define us. The things that you do, the things that you follow through with, the things that you don't quit, the things that you press into and you, you keep going, those things define you. It's there that you feel and sense the accomplishment. It's there that you gain confidence and you know you've overcome. It's what we continue to do that defines us. But even still, there are those moments we wrestle with, should I give up? Man, I just, I feel like I'm done. And you've prayed and you've held on to hope and you've believed and you've tried hard. But now... You're just done. There's nothing left to give. And maybe, maybe you have felt like quitting something or someone. Or maybe today, man, that's your address. It's not a felt like, it's a feel like. And you're thinking about quitting. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35 says, So do not throw away your confidence it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. In just a little while. When I grew up, I would ask my parents, hey, how long, how long until we get there if we're on a trip? And they would say, in just a little while. I grew up hating the phrase, in just a little while. Because when I heard in just a little while, it meant forever. It's going to take forever, and maybe it won't even ever come. Hey, the birthday party's coming. How many days to the birthday? And then on the day of the birthday, okay, what time is the birthday? Just a little while. We're on that trip. How long do we get there? In just a little while, just a little while. i got to be honest. As I look at my life, I can't think of too many times that God's been early. I'm sure there are times because I'm sure there are things that God has protected me from or rescued me from, things I'm not even aware of that God has handled and taken care of. But as I look at it, I can't think of many times that I can see that God's been early, but I have to tell you he's never been late. I haven't seen a lot of early, but I've never, I've never seen late. 
And so this morning, while it may feel like for you, if you feel like hope is eroded, you, you feel like, man, I, I, I just, I'm at that point. I don't think I can go any longer in this relationship, in this career, battling this thing, struggling and wrestling with this issue. Hey, it's not too late. Because before time began, God knew that you would be here on this exact morning. And he knew exactly what he would want to speak to your heart. And the very fact, if you're thinking about quitting or you're thinking about giving up, the very fact that we're talking about it is the whisper of God to you saying, I know. I see. I'm aware. Angela Duckworth went to Harvard and Oxford and did an in-depth study and released it in her work, and her study was, why do successful people succeed? What is it? What what is it about people that are highly successful, that that don't give up? Why don't they give up? What what, what is it about people that accomplish a lot? And to do this, she went to West Point and studied the student body at West Point. She went to school districts with schools in high-risk neighborhoods, difficult schools, and then she also studied people that participated in the National Spelling Bee. And just in case you've ever wondered, let me put your mind at ease. I I was never in the spelling bee. But she studied these three groups, and she wanted to know, okay, all of these students come into West Point, and they all have this massive potential. They've been highly recommended. They are all outstanding people. But what's the difference in the person who finishes at the top of the class compared to the person who doesn't finish at all? In these high-risk school districts, at, the, at these schools that are in neighborhoods that are very difficult and troubling, what's the difference in the teacher that comes in and is able to have a lasting impact and change not just kids but their, their family tree versus the teacher that goes for a year or two and can't take it and goes to an easier school? What's the difference in the kids in the National Spelling Bee? They're spelling words with over 70 letters in the kids that finish at the top and the kids that quit and stop. And what she discovered was it really doesn't have that much to do with IQ, with the intelligence quotient. She discovered, now, it takes a certain level of IQ, of course, but but that wasn't the primary thing that separated those who were highly successful and those who were not. The primary thing was not IQ, it was AQ, adversity quotient. The amount of pain that you can absorb is directly directly related to the level of success you will achieve. How much can you take? How much can you go through? How much can you put up with? How much can you deal with? When there's one obstacle after another, another, when you're fighting one battle after another, in the moments when it feels like you're losing, it's how much adversity you can handle, how much difficulty you can process that will determine how successful you are. Because the reality is, Jesus even told us, in this life, you will have trouble. There are going to be dark days, and there are going to be big clouds, and there's going to be loud lightning, and there's going to be pain and circumstances that roll into your life, sometimes forecasted, sometimes unexpected. And when that happens, it happens to every single one of us. How do you deal with it? How do you process it? He was five years old when his father died. He dropped out of school when he was 16. 
By the time he was 17, he'd lost four jobs. He got married when he was 18, and from 18 to 22, he worked as a driver. But he lost multiple jobs in those four years and failed at it. He tried to join the army, and he was rejected. He tried to go to school to become a judge, and he was rejected. He became an insurance salesman and sold less insurance in his region than anyone else ever had, and he failed, and he was fired. At 25 years old, his wife left him and took their only daughter and moved away. He lived what would be defined as a miserable life. He retired at 65 years old. And right after he retired, he was sitting under a tree, and he was writing what would be his suicide note. He'd thought about ending it all before because what's the point? One struggle after another, one adversity after another, one pain after another. Nothing seemed to work out in his life. But instead of ending his life, he decided as he was writing, I'm going to give it one more shot. He took his first Social Security check, which was $105, and he bought a fryer, and he began frying chicken and selling it door to door. He was 65. By the time he was 88 years old, the founder of Kentucky Fried Chicken, Colonel Sanders, was a billionaire. We see the result of KFC. What you do not see is 65 years of struggle and pain and nothing but somebody who decided to just keep going. One of the challenges we have, especially in our culture with technology and social media, is we get to see everybody's highlight reel, and we get to see the big moments, and we look at people who, look, who look, make success look easy. What you do not see are the sleepless nights and the deep pain and sometimes the betrayal and the struggle they walk through. And when they decided to keep going, even though there was no reason to keep going, we don't see that. We think success comes easily to some people, and God has favorites, and I'm just not one of them, and so some people get it, but I don't. That's just not reality. It's your AQ, your adversity quotient. So why, why do we give up? Especially as Christ followers, those of you that have given your life to Jesus, why do we give up? Why, why do we quit? We have the Word of God full of promises from a God who invites us to call Him Father. Why, why would we quit? I think there are a couple of reasons. One of the reasons I believe people quit is we don't see everything there is to see. We see some things. We see what's in the moment, but we, we don't see what God sees. We don't see next week or next month or next year. We, we can't see that. We have our assumptions based on our history. We have a story we tell ourselves based on what we've experienced. Colonel Sanders had 65 years of experiences That didn't mean from 65 to 88 had to look like it did before 65. But but we have our perspective. But we we don't see everything there is to see. Jericho was not a large city. You could march around the city of Jericho in about one hour. The problem was not the size of the city. It was the size of the walls. Joshua tells the army, we're going to march. We're going to march around the city every day, and on the seventh day, we're going to march seven times. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't just that moment. They, they were so close to the promise. They were right there, but the walls were too big, and the walls were too thick, and the walls were too high, and the walls were too much. This is impossible. Have you ever been there? You know what you want. 
You know what you'd like to see happen in your life, in your marriage, with your kids? As you look at your career, as you stand at this day and this moment, as we're about to wrap up 2021, you can't wait for 2022. Had this feeling about a year ago, deja vu a little bit, but this one's going to be better, gooder and gooder. We're going to make that a word. I'm from Texas. That's where new words come from. You just make stuff up. But, but you know what you'd like to see happen. But you've gotten to the place because it hasn't happened that all you see now is what's in the way. What you have to somehow try to get over or figure out or get through or, or get around and it's, it just feels like too much. And now you can't even see the promise anymore because all you see is the wall. And you forget what's on the other side of the wall when all you think about is the wall. This isn't just this moment. This isn't just, hey, seven days to walk around a city. This is over 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and now they're at the edge of what God has promised, but there's a wall. Maybe the wall you see is the mountain of debt, and what you don't see is the promise of God that he'll partner with you if you put him first financially. Maybe the wall that you see is the the death of a relationship. What you don't see is the ability of a God who uniquely is in the business of resurrecting dead things. Maybe the wall that you see is the failure and the shame you feel when you look at your own life and you look at who you've been and you feel less than. And what you don't see is the grace and the mercy of a holy God that loves you so much and loves you as much as anyone who's ever taken a breath. Verse 1, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one came out. They could not get in. They just couldn't get in. There were the walls, there were the gates, they were barred out. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. The three most powerful words in that verse are, I have delivered. Not because of what God was going to do, but because of what God had already done. See, God has this unique ability, He always has, to be able to speak into your present tense before it's a present reality. God is saying this when they're still on the outside. He's saying, I've delivered the city to you. As He's telling them, you're going to march around these walls. I've delivered the city to you. He's the only one who can tell you what is when it isn't yet. And that's what He's doing. So where is it in your life? For you, where God says something that is the complete opposite of what you're living. Your experiences, your story doesn't seem to match yet what God has shown you in His Word. You feel broken, but if you're a follower of Christ, He says you're healed. You feel forgotten, but if you're a follower of Jesus, He says He's never been closer. You feel overwhelmed, but if you're a follower of Jesus, he says you can do all things through him. We don't see everything there is to the sea. The mistake that we make is to assume we see it all and know it all. To put ourselves in a position where because of our experience and our circumstances and what we've walked through and what we've learned and what we see and everything that we believe, to assume that that is the final word and it is not. We live with a limited perspective. And tend to forget that we serve an unlimited God who's been in all of our tomorrows and wants to lead us and guide us. Life can often feel like we're just 
marching aimlessly around the city. We've read the story. They make the first lap, and all they had was a promise. Nothing changed. They make the second lap on the next day, and all they have is a promise. Nothing's changed. And they didn't even know. They hadn't even lived the end of the story yet. They didn't know what was going to happen on day seven. Sometimes, I don't know if you ever wrestle with this, but sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, I have to remind myself that they did not know in that moment more than I know in this moment. You read the passage about Peter walking on the water, and you think, wow, that's incredible faith. Look what God did. He stepped out of the boat, and he walked on water. But, but think about this. When he was in that boat and bent his knee and raised his leg, he had no idea what was going to happen exactly any more than you and I do. When God told Moses, hey, just go across the Red Sea. I'll take care of the water. He had no idea. We, we tend to read the Bible and think somehow it was easier for them. It was not. In their human condition, they wrestled with the walls that they saw and the obstacles that they faced as much as you and I do. He told Joshua, here's what I want people to do. But it wasn't just seven times around Jericho. It was over 40 years. We don't see everything there is to see. Another reason sometimes we give up on things or people is we don't see the progress that's happening. We assume if there's progress, I'll see it. We assume if there's momentum, I'll feel it. Verse 10, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. For six days, it felt like a waste of time. For six days, it seemed completely pointless. They have spent years, decades, waiting for this moment, trusting in what God had said holding on to what they believed, leaning into their faith. They have prepared and they have trained. These are warriors. They are ready for battle. And after all that time, after all that training, they're going to take this city. God doesn't say go fight. God says go take a walk. That's it. I mean, sometimes when I read this story, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, they're going around the city day after day, and they're marching around the city. It'd be really cool after the first day. Okay, one day's done. You only got a few more to go. There was some kind of video game music where you level up. And so on the second day, it's a little bit easier because I feel a little bit of progress. I heard the sound. I'm leveling up. And then on the third day, they just keep going. And each time, maybe there's points on a screen somewhere they can see. Okay, I feel progress. I feel like it's happening. I'm only going around three times because I get dizzy if I go six. I learned that first hour. If you could just feel something that told you it's happening. If you could just know somehow that God is going to keep his word. That it is going to be okay. If there, if there could just be something that lets you know that there's progress. Because the truth is, we can walk through any process as long as we see progress. You can keep fighting for your marriage as long as you feel hope. You can keep paying down the debt as long as you see the balance decreasing. 
But notice, not only did they not see any progress day after day, but verse 10, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Joshua says, don't, don't even talk. Don't say a word. Why? Well, what would you say? Day one, you're doing what you heard God has asked you to do, and you see nothing. Day two, some of you would take to day four or five. Day two, this isn't working. Do you think it's working? I don't think it's working. This is a complete waste of time. Why are we doing this? This is absolutely pointless. This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Why in the world would we keep doing this when we're not seeing any results, we're not seeing anything come from it? See, Joshua knew something that I think sometimes we forget in life. Sometimes your mouth can be your worst enemy. The Bible says the tongue has the power of death and life. And the most powerful words you ever speak are the ones you say to yourself. But they're also contagious to what you say to the people around you. And so I wonder if God told Joshua, I don't know, I can't prove this biblically, but I just, I wonder if God told Joshua, hey, tell them not to say anything at all, because if they talk, I know what they're going to say. Just shut up and walk. Just shut up and walk. And I wonder sometimes in your life, I know certainly sometimes in my life, I need to just shut up. I wonder if God would just be saying, hey, shut up and keep trusting. Shut up and keep praying. Shut up and keep loving. Shut up and keep forgiving. Shut up and keep showing up. Just continue to trust me and push your feelings aside. Now, what's fascinating to me about this passage, God tells Joshua the process is going to take seven days, but Joshua never tells the people. They have no idea how many days they're going to have to do this. They know nothing except walk. He doesn't tell them, hey, on the seventh day, here's what's going to happen. Nothing gives birth to frustration quite like doing the right thing with no end in sight. Just because it's right. Just because it's wise. Just because it's what God has asked. I can keep going, I can keep trying, I can keep working and believing and hoping if I know how long I have to do that. You tell me how long and I, I, I can make it. I can keep going. I can absorb and you can absorb the pain of a broken marriage if it will be healed by Christmas. We can stay pure if it's just one more year till you meet your spouse. We can deal with an incompetent employer that's unreasonable and unrealistic if we know that ultimately it's going to build character and lead to a new position, a new opportunity in just two years. We won't like the two years, but we can deal with that. We have the ability to endure significant pain if we know there's a payoff coming. But if it worked that way, it wouldn't build our faith, and we wouldn't depend on God. See, we, we have a bent to depend on formulas and processes. If I do these two things, then here's what God's going to do. If I do these three things, here's what's going to happen in my marriage. If I do these four things, here's what's... You and I, we, we, we live for formulas and processes. We work the process. We work the formula. And when we do that, we don't work our faith. 
I wonder about the sixth day. Day, day six. What's the point? We're still doing this? I mean, clearly it's not working. But from God's perspective, on day six, you're closer than you think. You don't know about day seven. You know how long you're going to do this, but on day six, you're, you're closer than you think. And I wonder today, before time began, if God wanted to say to you with exactly what you're walking through, the circumstances you're dealing with, the pain that you're processing, the questions that you have, I wonder if God wanted to say to you today, you're closer than you think. Florence Chadwick was the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. In 1952, she attempted a swim that would be 26 miles long from the California coastline to the Catalina Islands. Fifteen hours into that swim, a dense fog set in. It clouded her vision. It diminished her confidence. She was spent and exhausted and completely discouraged. So after 15 hours of swimming, she quit. As she got into the boat... After swimming 15 hours, as she got into the boat, they told her, you had less than half a mile to go. You may be closer than you think. And the only thing in your life and mine that makes the 15 hours, the 15 months, the 15 years a waste of time is if we quit. Because you're closer than you think. You have no idea what God's about to do. You don't see everything there is to see. And just because you don't see the progress and it feels impossible does not mean that progress is not being made. So when you're close to giving up, when you're close to quitting, on your marriage, or your friendships, or your kids, or your job, or your parents, or maybe even God. Hey, you're closer than you think. You're not seeing everything there is to see, and you have no idea the progress that the 15 hours has brought you just because of what you can't see. Don't quit. Don't quit. Remember why you started. Stop listening to how you feel and start listening to what the Father says. Do you understand your, your feelings will lie to you? Have you ever been to a horror movie? I don't, I don't do those. I don't go to those. I don't even watch the commercials during October with Halloween coming up. I don't, I don't do that junk. Some of y'all, you love it. God bless you, man. Figure it out. But I, I don't deal with that stuff. But you can go to a horror movie, and you come home at night, and you have a nightmare, and you wake up, and your heart is racing, and your pulse is elevated, and you're sweating buckshot, and none of it's real. None of it is real. Your feelings will take you on a ride. And some of you, your problem is you've ridden the roller coaster of your feelings, and because of that, your life is unstable because you've based everything on something that's just not true. Stop listening to your feelings and start listening and leaning into your faith and what the Father says, like in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not 
give up. Did you see that verse? Did you notice that? Let us not become weary, tired, exhausted, spent in doing good, the next wise thing. For at the proper time, the time designed by God before time began, we will. Now, you know what's amazing about that word we? You're included. You're included. The way the scripture is written, you're, you're part of the we. It doesn't matter, Colonel Sanders, what the first 65 years have looked like. It's never too late to begin to be great. And it happens when you lean into your faith and you stop listening to your feelings and you trust God and you don't quit. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't give up. I don't want you to miss what God wants to do in your life, in your circumstances, the story he wants to write in and through you the legacy he wants to build for your family. Don't give up. 